Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. All right, we're excited to be here for another week. Midnight Founders Podcast. Today we have Lucian Morin and Jake Fackrell from Savos Health. Yep. Welcome. It's great to Thank be here. You. Awesome. Yeah. We're excited to be off. here. Okay. <laughs> let's get the 30 second elevator pitch on what Savos is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We are Savos. We're a digital healthcare solution that supports tomorrow's healthcare transaction. We're in terms of affordability and quality in a healthcare transaction. We are the most unique platform in the country right now. We've pioneered immediate cash pay, immediate cash payment in a third-party payer environment. So our system connects providers all over the country that uh, want to deliver care but get paid immediately without needing to sign contracts or join a network. They plug into Savos. And then we work with health plans and their members all over the country. We bring these participants together, right? So we look at all the stakeholders in the healthcare transaction, the member, their health plan, and the provider. We bring them together, simplify communication, simplify scheduling. We bring down costs by 80 to 90% in scheduled outpatient care, and providers get paid immediately. Our average third-party payer saves over $30,000 per procedure that they run through our platform, and the providers get paid immediately when they complete the, the procedure. And so that's really a secret sauce of Savos. So, so how does the insurance carriers plan all this? I guess I'm not understanding. So when you think about um, spend in a health care population, right? Like if you're with a health plan that has 100,000 members, 60 to 70% of every dollar they spend outside of pharmacy is on scheduled outpatient procedures, planned procedures like a knee surgery or, a, um, uh, you know, removing a cyst or or a hysterectomy, or whatever the case may be, a hernia repair. Um, these plans are spending astronomical amounts of money on these procedures running through antiquated platforms, right? Like we're talking about tomorrow's healthcare transaction is a very different relationship between patients, their health plans, and providers. They want a more engaged procedure. They want a more engaged experience. But cost containment is the discussion in healthcare today, right? So if you're scheduling a, like we're doing a cervical disc replacement right now, and the initial estimate for the member was almost $200,000. And in a cash pay settlement environment, our price is around $35,000. So when you look at the value to a health plan, when a health plan connects their members with providers through Savos, we bring down the cost for that plan, the cost for that community by 70, 80, 90% compared to what they're paying with a direct contract or what they're paying with uh, if they're part of a network, um, because we simplify the transaction, because we make it a better experience for everybody, including the provider, we can bring down costs dramatically. So what's in it for the health plan? Well, the health plan, instead of paying, paying $200,000 for that back surgery, they're going to pay $37,000. And so the incentive for the member is instead of paying a $5,000 deductible, the health plan will say, well, look, if you engage through Savos, we'll waive your out-of-pocket costs. So the member saves thousands of dollars. The community saves tens of thousands or over 100000 
and the providers get paid immediately. They get paid the next day. When you think about one of the biggest problems in the healthcare transaction today is you look at the supply side of healthcare. And if you if you guys owned a surgical center, um, you want to deliver care and you want to get paid. Uh, I had a family member that had a knee surgery in May, and I was talking to the owner of the surgical center when I was waiting for her to come out of the procedure. And he said, Lou, I got a half a million dollars of receivables out there. I've been sitting on for six months. I can't get my money. So this is a huge problem in healthcare, right? Networks and insurance companies, stonewalling providers and whatnot. So we go to providers and we say, uh, you know, hey, Jake, you own a surgical center. You do that ACL repair today. We'll pay you tomorrow. All we ask is, what's your no-hassle price? What's your affordable cash price? And in that environment, we save these health plans a tremendous amount of money. I was shocked. I So my boy had surgery a couple years ago. He was young, uh, and it was right after he was born. He was probably six months old. So we still had medical bills from when he was born and all that stuff. And uh, I called the clinic, and I just said, hey, uh, I'm happy to pay for this in cash. Uh, what kind of discount can you offer me? I was expecting like 10% or maybe 15%. It was like 50% off. They were like, oh, if you just pay cash now, we'll give you half off. And I was shocked. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because cash pay in a self-pay environment is a very simple transaction, right? Like if you go to the provider and say, look, I don't have a third-party payer. I'm just going to pay you directly. What's your best price? You guys can kind of figure it out, right? But cash pre- cash pay in a third-party payer environment is almost impossible to navigate uh, because you'll say, well, look, uh, Jake, you own a surgical center. I want your best cash price. But there's this third-party that's going to cover the bill out here. And, and what's that surgical center going to say? Well, how am I going to get my money? I don't have a contract with these guys. I mean, how, how, what assurances do I have that I'll ever collect this fee, right? And that's where Savos comes in. On the front end, we are the healthcare marketplace that helps these members find great pricing. But then on the back end, we are the digital healthcare platform. We are the fintech engine that makes that transaction a reality. We're the clearinghouse for cash pay in a third-party payer environment. So when a procedure is scheduled through our system, the reason why we now have thousands of medical providers, surgical centers, endoscopy centers, hospitals, imaging centers, the reason why they're plugged into Savos is because they get paid the same way every time out of the Savos portal. When they plug into Savos, they connect with all of our members. And when we schedule a procedure, five days before that procedure date, we pull the money from the health plan. So as soon as care is delivered, we pay the provider. No billing, no complex claim forms, no receivables. One of the biggest industries in healthcare is revenue cycle management. It's helping providers to try to get their money. We eliminate all of the hassles through the Savos portal. There's nothing like cash pay settlement in a third-party payer space like what we're doing at Savos right now. So it's almost like Savos is their point of sale system where they're booking through Savos and then they're getting paid through Savos, essentially. You're absolutely right. Okay. Um, but for these providers, they almost don't have to do anything. If they just plug into Savos... Our, I mean, we, our team and these health plans, there's such, when you look at the disparity in pricing, it's almost like this arbitrage opportunity in healthcare, right? The, the, the health plan 
can can go through normal channels and pay eighty thousand dollars for a total knee replacement, or connect with cash pay settlement and get it down to nineteen thousand. The disparity is so great that as soon as we plug health plans and providers into our system, they will connect. It, it, we almost have to. We almost don't have to do any heavy lifting or marketing. They just will come and look for these connections within our platform. And that's because you're cutting out all the middlemen along the way, right? You're you're cutting out all the the fat of the process essentially because you're going right to the provider to the patient. That's it. Yeah, there's such a disconnect. I mean, in in a healthcare transaction today, there are so many parties involved, and there's no way for a patient to be able to communicate with everybody effectively in a timely manner. It, it takes tons of phone calls on hold, trying to get a hold of the right people. In the Savos platform, above and beyond everything that Lou mentioned, there's a whole communication tool. So everybody's in, all the parties involved are in the platform. They're communicating with each other. They're finalizing price. They're agreeing to the price. They know before the surgery how much this is going to cost. And so that's something that I think is huge for Savos to have everybody aligned in this transparent transaction now. That's cool. It just seems crazy to me. Like I went and had an MRI a couple weeks ago and I have no idea. Like I still haven't got the bill yet. And it's like, you don't get the results. You don't get to know what the bill is until your insurance company's already haggled with them for a little while. And there's just no transparency. And if they ask, and if you ask, they're like, we don't know what it costs. We don't even know. Well, and you guys, I'm so glad you said that because what we're talking about is, I mean, we launched Savos as a way to bring affordability into the healthcare space, right? Like a cost containment solution for third-party payers. But the reality is, is what we're talking about is creating a better experience in healthcare. Like you mentioned, Jake, you don't consume any other good or service the way you consume healthcare. You don't go home and say, I just bought a new snowmobile I can't wait to see how much that's going to cost me. Nobody does that. But in healthcare, like you mentioned, I went and got an MRI. I'm just holding my breath and wondering how much that's going to cost. Those days are gone. Consumers, they are demanding a better healthcare experience. And that Savos, right? And it's not just like when, if you're going to create a better experience, you have to create a better experience, not just for the member and a health plan, but you've got to create a better experience for the providers as well. And that's what's so unique about Savos. When you look at other cost containment solutions out there, networks, direct contracting, reference-based pricing, they might all have their value propositions, but they are not creating a better experience for all of the stakeholders in the transaction. But with Savos, when you can bring cash pay immediate settlement to members and a third-party payer, then it's a better experience for everybody. And like Jake said, in addition to just bringing the parties together, we create this engaging conversation within our platform. Nothing is scheduled in Savos without knowing in advance how much that procedure is going to cost. We have members that go and get an MRI and then get an $18,000 bill when they do it on their own. It can get that crazy. Those MRIs through Savos are 600 bucks. And so when you know the price in advance and you know where you can go and you can communicate with that provider in advance, these kind of issues completely leave the healthcare space. I love this because I've always thought most of the problems in our healthcare system could be solved with, and this is overly simplistic, so so you know, humor me for a second. But if you had just simply a McDonald's menu board <laughs> showing, you know, your knee surgery is this much, your broken arm is this much, I think that would solve so many problems in our healthcare industry uh, or our healthcare system. 
and you guys are doing it. This is awesome. Yeah, this it's so funny you say that because you look at like billing in healthcare now, like like for scheduled procedures, it's all built around CPT code billing, and and it's like this incremental billing uh, method, right? Like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm the anesthesiologist and I'm giving somebody. Um, you know, I'm, I'm keeping somebody under, I wish I could have explained that better, right? Like I'm putting somebody under and they're going to be under for 30 minutes. I can bill $700, but for 37 minutes, I can bill $900, right? And so it's such an obnoxious way to bill, right? In a cash pay environment, we go to the providers and we say, give us your no hassle price. We don't care how long, we don't care. What, $2,000? Great. We'll like, let's put a $2,000 price in there, right? Because we, we, we're bringing down the cost so much, when it comes to these scheduled procedures that it, for us, it's not this mentality of a race to the bottom, right? We're not, we're not shopping around for the cheapest price. We're trying to get these members in what we call this range of affordability, right? Like if you need an ACL repair with a lot of your health plans, with a lot of these providers, you could get billed 40, 50, $60,000. Our relationship with Savos, we might have prices from 9,000 to 17,000. There's a lot of reasons why you may want to schedule that facility that's at 17000 Maybe your surgeon's credential there. Maybe it's closer to your home. I mean, there could be a myriad of reasons why that may not be the cheapest facility, but it's still a great price compared to what you would have spent otherwise. So, so we move away from this ridiculous billing methodology, and we get to more of like this menu that you're talking about, where it's just real simple to look at a price, and let's eliminate all the ambiguity and all the uncertainty. Let's just make it a simple transaction. Where did this idea come from? Yeah, how'd you guys get into this? I'm curious. Well, a few years ago, so so Lou's old uh, old company, Magellan, they they provided all of our healthcare health benefits for my my other company, my my old company that I just sold. And uh, he was in my office one day. We're doing renewals, as any business owner will know and understand. When you're doing renewals, you know. You can expect a 10%, 15%, 20% increase in your health insurance costs. For it's your a dark day every year. It's every year, and you <laughs> dread it every year. Like, I dreaded it every year. But but Lou and I have been friends for a long time, and so I, I knew it was coming. He came in, and anyway, I think my rates went up like 20% that year. And I just threw my hands in the air and said, what in the world, Lou? Like, we got to do something about this. This is nuts. Why? We're a young company. We're a healthy company. We don't even use the plan why are these going up? Well, these prices going up so much, you know? And he said, you know what? I've been thinking about this a lot. I hear the same thing from, you know, many, many other business owners. And I have some ideas. And that's when we, he started kicking around some ideas with me, started bouncing some things. Actually, the original idea, I kind of laughed him out of my office and said, that's, that's never going to work. But a few weeks later, we got back together and just started whiteboarding some things and figuring things out. And this, with the, the major issues that, that we're faced with in healthcare and uh, came up with, eventually Savos. It, you know, it's funny to look back on that because we both had very successful companies. Jake was very successful in data aggregation. I was very successful in human capital management. I mean, we had large successful companies and we sold them both to, to, to fix what's happening in the healthcare space. So it was, it was, uh, it was quite a lifestyle change to exit those companies and to, to go back we're not the youngest guys anymore, and to go back into the startup world was was a little bit of a shock to the system. At least for me, I was pretty comfortable with what I was doing before. But but there's such an exciting opportunity in healthcare where it's an antiquated industry. 
I mean, the healthcare world are still faxing orders to each other. It's, it's hilarious, <laughs> right? So it's, it, I mean, it's still very antiquated. And there's reasons why it's been slow to adopt a lot of technology with regulatory issues and, and liability and things like that. But, but it's also heavily influenced by state and federal regulation, right? So it's a complicated market. But what's exciting is when you can bring about real change in a highly regulated marketplace, you've got a home run there. And that's what we've been doing with Savos. And so we, we, we're an enterprise-level platform. We reach out to health plans, and we tell our story to health plans. And then they push us out to their members with really exciting incentives like, look, you can still go wherever you want within the plan, but if you use Savos, we'll waive your out-of-pocket costs. That, that's not a requirement from us, but that's usually how the health plans will engage with their members. And the results, the results are astronomical. We take $24,000 hernia repairs and turn them into $6,000. We take two to $300,000 back surgeries and turn them into $35,000. We do heart, um, we do a number of complex heart procedures uh, that were two, $300,000 and we turn them into under 40 grand. I mean, and then, you know, tonsillectomies for 2000 bucks, ear tubes for $1,500. I mean, these plans are spending a fortune on scheduled outpatient care. It's the number one spend you're going to see in these health plans and in a health plan population. So if we can solve that, we're solving for a huge chunk of the problem here. I think Lou so. kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, we we both left very comfortable positions in our, our companies, sold our companies and, and started this. And one of the things that motivated me as we were researching this to find out how big is this problem, I already knew it was a huge problem in, with small employers. It was hurting us tremendously every year, the, the cost of health care and insurance and those things. But we started researching it and found this statistic that over 500,000 500, families every year will declare bankruptcy because of healthcare costs. Here in the United States, it's like that's that just seems ridiculous. And, and that was one of the motivating wow, factors that's for sad, me. That's, that's terrible. It's super sad that that many families can't afford to pay for basic healthcare needs. We're not talking about, you know, major strokes or heart attacks or whatever, those types of things that, yeah, sure, those things are going to cost some money. Everyday things are, are, are wrecking people, wrecking families financially, you know, just to get your tonsils out for your kids or a shoulder surgery. Why should a shoulder surgery cost $90,000? Like, that should be 12000 bucks, right? And that's what we have in the platform. That was one of the biggest motivating factors for me is when I saw that, I thought, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way that we can, you know, bring down these costs in this in this industry and make a better overall healthcare experience, not just for the patients, but also for the payers and the providers as well. And the, and I would just add in the market, you know, like sometimes you can have a great idea, but the timing's got to be right, you know. And and it's interesting. It doesn't. You don't really need to be an effective salesman to convince people that in healthcare the timing's right for for real change. People are desperate for a solution. So you're seeing it, right? You're seeing consumers wanting to engage in the healthcare transaction in a very different way. And that's really where Savos comes in is we've created technology and the workflow and the process to allow that to happen, to engage in the healthcare transaction differently. We were, we were, we just came out of beta at the end of last year and started actively marketing to plans and to members. And, and it's pretty obvious just from the market response. I and mean, we now have thousands of providers across the country that want to be in the cash pay space. We have 
a number of health plans. We have over 100,000 members using our platform right now. We're onboarding another 100,000 members. And to do that in a 12-month window, uh, I don't think that says a lot about us. I mean, I, I think anybody could do it because the market is just – maybe it says something about us, right? But the, the market is desperate for a better transaction, and we just bring it to the market. And and it's it's probably some of the funnest conversations we've had with – and the providers especially. We'll, we'll launch a provider in our platform, and they're super suspect, right? They've been beat say, up. They're probably very cautious. They're like, oh, they're we've like, heard this whatever. before. Whatever. Yeah. Then, but then we'll have a successful transaction. They'll do the case. They'll get paid the next day. And it's so funny. This has happened so many times. They'll call us up the following day. And, and the conversation all, always starts like this. Who are you guys? Like, <laughs> how how did you just do that? You know, like they, they they can't believe it. But as soon as we have a successful transaction with a surgical center or a small hospital or an endoscopy center, they all say the same thing. How do I participate in this again? Like, how do I how do I align myself with what you're doing at Savos? And so we get you know we we start building the relationship with them. And but those are really fun conversations because. We, if you're going, if you're going to bring health plans and members and providers together, you not only need the right technology, but you kind of need that intermediary to act as this sort of clearinghouse. And and it took us a, a few iterations to figure it out, but but now we've realized that we've we've got a model that's really changing the healthcare experience. And and it's awesome because, like Jake alluded to, I mean, there's very few industries that impact every household. In America, like what we're doing at Savos, healthcare touches everybody in some way, and that's just—I mean, we're just doing this in the U.S. right now. There's so many other healthcare markets across the, you know, in other countries that are very similar to what we're doing here in the U.S. and they have the same problems, and they're looking for similar solutions. But, but just here at home, there's such a great opportunity to impact people's lives, and and uh, and it's been pretty cool to see this come to life. That's crazy. So uh, other than affecting your golf swing, which I know that like the transition from where you were before, you've mentioned that you're not golfing as much. So I know that that's changed. But uh, what what other impacts has it been from going to this like, uh, you know, these jobs that you had before back into startup phase? And then what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs that are kind of right on the edge of their seat, like ready to make that jump? Oh, yeah. Great question. Um yeah, yeah, golf isn't is non-existent <laughs> anymore, right? But, but I mean, there's value, I think, in in jumping. We joke about yeah, this is a young man's, a young person's game, you know. But, but we have together 50 years of business experience, right? It's a different experience now than when we launched our companies. In fact, when we launched our first companies, we shared office space, like. 20 years ago. You guys have known each other a long We've time. We've known each other a long time. Yeah, I mean, we built, we started building our companies together in, in a shared office space. And, and it's been, it's, it's really fun to look back at what we've done. Um, but, uh, but in some respects, you know, as older guys, it, you know, you're in a much different place in terms of experience and, and contacts and relationships. And you got a deeper understanding of your market and whatnot. But, um, so I like that, but, but it's, you know, sometimes you don't realize how good you have it till you sort of <laughs> make a change, right? The startup world, uh, you better roll up your sleeves and, and be committed. I think, um, I think what my advice to young people would be, I, I think 
uh, particularly if you're going to get into a technology play and and you're going to need, you know, if, if it's capital intensive and you're going to raise capital, uh, you know, I think it's a matter of integrity. I think uh, you better be all in. I mean, it's going to take twice as long and probably cost twice as much. And uh, you better be ready to fail fast and pivot when you need to. And in fact, we were just talking about that on the drive over here that, you know, three or four iterations of our approach to really dial it in. And, and, and you just got to be able to, to, I think, to respond quickly when you realize you kind of missed the bullseye. And um, I, I think that's where I think we've 50 years of experience together, I think, has allowed us to be able to kind of, you know, admit when we made a mistake and make the adjustments and and we and, and end up with what we have today. Yeah, those are some some great great comments, some great advice I think for entrepreneurs. I so I I I love being an entrepreneur. I love starting something. You know, you take something that doesn't exist, you create it, you build it and you you know, the first customer you ever have that starts paying you money for that is like such a such a cool experience. It's one of the great things that gets me out of bed every day. But, you know, I, Lou and I met because I started in college a little paintball business. I went and bought some paintball guns and started renting those out, put an ad in, in the, the school newspaper, and, and uh, Lou calls me up and, hey, man, I want to rent your paintball guns. And that's how we met. And he started renting my guns. And, and before we know it, he was inviting me to go with them and playing uh, paintball, mainly because he says my, my guns were he terrible. He rented the worst <laughs> equipment ever. So after like three or four times, I told my friends, I was like, we just need to invite Jake to come with us. He can fix all this crap. You know? <laughs> so, so that's how we became lifelong, lifelong friends. I mean, that, that's how I we like met. It. And it was because of you just... You sold him a terrible product. <laughs> a terrible product. I, I, I liked him, you know, but... But, um, but, but I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, just to add on to everything that, that Lou said about, about, you know, what, what gets entrepreneurs motivated and out, out of bed in the morning, I think, I think you've got to have kind of your vision. You've got to have your, your purpose, your mission, your values, but mainly, really, your, your purpose. You've got to know why. You've got to have that, that guiding star um, that, that will direct you and guide you in every decision that you make. And if you don't have that, that purpose, that underlying why that Simon Sinek talks about, you know, you're not going to be motivated enough when those obstacles come up and the hard times come to, to keep doing it and to keep figuring out how do we solve this problem. Every day as an entrepreneur, you're solving problems. Every day something comes up. And, and oftentimes it's a roadblock. It's, it's something right in front of you. You cannot get over it. And so Lou mentioned, you know, then you've got to pivot. And so, you know, Savos, this is like our third or fourth iteration of what we started out doing. Oh, that doesn't work. Let's try something else. And so don't be afraid to pivot Don't and, and to know really what your purpose is and why you're getting out of bed every day to go and tackle that problem. You know, I would add too, uh, you know, it's, uh, Jake's probably more entrepreneurial than I am. I think, uh, I think knowing your market, right, whether you're in a, a lifestyle business or you're in an aggressive growth business, I feel like Jake's, he's definitely started more companies and been a lot more aggressive. I was in, my career was in more of a lifestyle business, and I was really comfortable, right? And, and I think, but if you're going to start a business, you need to know what path you're heading down. If that's going to be a lifestyle business or if you're going to build something that's more of an aggressive growth approach in your market. Because these are very, you're going to start heading down two very different paths. And I think you got to know that right out of the gate. And we knew when we launched Savos that we were, we were in a growth business. Like this was a very aggressive play for us for a lot of reasons. I mean, we're getting older, you know, I have no desire of running another 20 year lifestyle business in my fifties. Right. 
Um, but, but the healthcare market's changing real fast. If you're going to drop into a space like healthcare that's really starting to move, you got to move. I mean, you need the capital and, and you don't have 15 years to, to get it right. I mean, you got to get this done in three to five years. And that's, and, and so you got to know your market. And I think for us, you know, Jake's background is in data and data aggregation and, and really finding difficult data. My background was in, you know, federal healthcare regulation and health products and whatnot. And so we were like the best fit to, mm. to, to spin up a company like Savos. Um, and yeah, it's been awesome to see it come together. Are you guys, I mean, based on the need and, and the huge gap that's in the healthcare system right now, are you guys exploding? Is it just going gangbusters? Yeah, right now it's really starting to take off. I mean, like Lou said, you know, a year ago we were in beta mode, just trying to figure things out, still building things. This year it's absolutely just exploded and we there's no end in sight. We're seeing record-breaking uh, months and quarters um, growing by hundreds of percent every 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 quarter. So yeah, It's crazy. I mean, good. the first time we talked... Like it was still in beta mode. Yeah, yeah. So it's been fun to see the, the yeah. you know growth and the trajectory you guys are on. And it's a fun time. I mean, it, but it's you know you, you you got a small team. You know we're trying to hire and add to the team while the team's running at 150 percent of their capacity, and you're trying to you know move into other office space. I mean, it's just crazy, but it's fun. You know why? I I mean I, I I love the game and and we're having a great time and probably working a little too hard than we need to at this stage of our lives, but um, um, but we're doing some really cool stuff and but it's just awesome to see the change that we're making in a really difficult market. I mean we we transact in healthcare very differently than really any other solution out there, and it's it this is really fun. So. Um it's uncommon for partnerships like this to last as long as it has. I mean, obviously you guys have um, kind of grown that partnership over time and it's different with Savos than it was, you know, with the paintball company and probably even with the, the healthcare and when you were running your data company. But what do you attribute that to and what advice do you have for people that are getting ready to go into a partnership? Good question. You want to start with that? Well, I, I think you just, you need to know your place in the company, right? I mean, I, I came into Savos knowing that, you know, Lou is the one that comes in with the experience in the healthcare industry. Right? I, I knew that from the, from the start. This was um, his company, his ideas. Um, he brought me in and said, hey, I've, I've been thinking about these things. Let's brainstorm. Let's, let's go do this together. And so knowing that, and, and, and I'm used to my own, my own companies to be the CEO, right, to, to be that guy. And, and this was clearly Lou's show. Like this is clearly his company. He's clearly the CEO of this. And so knowing your role and knowing your place, I think, helps us a lot so we don't butt heads. Like he's the one that makes the final decisions. We, we talk, we counsel together, we, we brainstorm together. But at the end of the day, you know, he makes those decisions and I understand that and I know that. And, and that, and so to know those roles and know that place has helped us, I think, not, not butt heads as much and, and to be able to make decisions and move forward once those decisions were made. Well, I don't know if I agree. I think we, I think we do a good job running the company together. Um, I, I think, um, like, Whoa, we're having like, disagreement, right? You're on the podcast. Yeah, we're going to fuck it out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Put down the boxing gloves. I, um, I used to always joke, um, don't ever do business with somebody in their 30s. Um, but the idea was like, there's got to be a level of maturity. And sometimes you get younger entrepreneurs that are a little hot headed and, and they can be difficult to work with, you know, and, 
Um, so I think, I, I joke about the age, but I just think finding a business partner, finding the right relationships where, you know, people are level-headed and, and you're able to kind of problem solve together. But the other thing that I think that what I've seen over the years is, is working in people where you have very complementary strengths. Um, and I feel like one of the reasons why we work so well together is because I feel like that's exactly our business relationship. I feel like I'm very much a, like, like a visionary kind of guy. Uh, I'm very much a push the plane off the cliff and then try to fly it, you know. I feel like Jake is incredibly talented at measuring KPIs, metrics. Like I'm the guy that wants to just push the plane and start flying it, and I feel like Jake's the guy that makes it fly better, right? And so like he's, he's better at networking than I am. I'm not a great networker. Jake's a phenomenal networker. Uh, I'm not great at like looking at the data, like some of the best pivots we've made as a company is because Jake looks at the data all the time. He's like, hey, I'm looking at these KPIs. We have a real problem here. Like our average revenue per procedure just plummeted or we're looking at a higher cancellation rate or, you know, and we start looking at these metrics. And I would never look at those metrics. So, so I feel like working with somebody whose strengths really com like complement your weaknesses, you know, and so it's... Yeah, I feel like we're just a really good partnership. I love that. We often hear on the podcast, you know, you've got to have in every company that visionary and then the implementer, right? Someone that has the vision and someone that makes it happen, right? And clearly you guys have that. That's great. Yeah. What's uh, What's next? What are you guys excited about now? What's on the horizon for Savas? Um, you know, it's. Uh, I'll share my thoughts. I. It's, you know, it's fun where we sit today um, but I look at where our product is right now and where it'll be in a year, and it's exciting to see the new releases that are coming, right? Like better engagement with members, better engagement with providers, and I mean, without going into all the details, but, but you know, you launch your first product, um, and, and I can't remember who said it, maybe Reed Hoffman, if you're not embarrassed by your first product launch you probably waited too, too late long. yep yeah yeah so <laughs> and, and and that was kind of us when we came out of or like when we we're in beta and we pushed our product out it was terribly embarrassing you know but the feedback we got over those four or five months you know was invaluable for us to dial in the product and push the next release out and now you know that we've been running with clients for about a year we see so many other exciting opportunities to launch new system enhancements, new product enhancements, exciting ways to monetize the company faster. So, so yeah, we're, I mean, we're just barely sort of off the starting line with, with the things that we're developing and the solutions that we're bringing to not just the health plans and their members, but great solutions for providers as well. So yeah, one of my favorite books is called Blitzscaling. And it was written by Reed Hoffman, who was the founder, one of the founders of PayPal, and then, of course, LinkedIn, and phenomenal book. It talks about, how, you know, how do you really grow a company fast? Like, what, what, are, the, what are the things that a company needs to have, the, the, the different qualities and different, different aspects of a company? And you look at Savos, and you can start checking off the list of all the, you know, large industry and an innovative product and great team and, and those types of things. And, and Savos kind of checks the boxes of those, all those different uh, aspects of, of these, you know, fast-growing companies. And I think you know, we're just getting started. We are just barely scratching the surface of 
the potential and the possibilities of what we want to grow with silos. And so I see over the next few months and, and even, you know, next two to three, five years, us continuing to, to grow, to innovate, to, to keep pushing, pushing the needle on, on what we want to accomplish with Savos. Yeah, man, it's been, I, like I said, it's been about a year since we met the first time. And, uh, I think I met you maybe Jacob, maybe like six months or so before that in at UVU, and you were giving back on entrepreneurship back then. So, you know, you've been involved probably your whole life in entrepreneurship. And, um, yeah, I think you've given great advice today. But is there anything else that you would share with kind of those guys in their 30s other than mm-hmm. not being so hot-headed? But, uh, or even <laughs> the guys in the 20s or girls in their 20s that are getting ready to start companies. Like looking back over your careers, what advice do you have for them? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say, you know, it's interesting. My wife and I do a lot of work. Jake does a lot of work at UVU. We do a lot of work at BYU. And, and I talk to a lot of the young people, men and women in the business program. And, and, and I think um, there's such a level of impatience to succeed, right? I think people are in such a hurry to go start a business. And, and great. I mean, if you're excited and, and, and motivated, I, I wouldn't discourage anybody. But I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of learning your industry, learning your trade before you start risking all your capital or getting a second mortgage on your house or going to raise money to start a business when you, haven't really, you don't really know anybody in your space. You've never really even tried to work in that space before, right? I remember um, when, when I had my old company, Magellan, uh, one of my sons came and worked with me. And after I sold the company, he stayed for a few years. And I told him, I said, look, you're not here to learn legal or insurance or payroll processing. You're here to learn an industry. You're here to learn how business people think. And I would counsel you, take them to lunch, learn what matters, talk to a business owner about um, you know, the things that keep them up at night, learn the vendors, learn. Anyway, he did that for three years and he left and launched his own company that is really taking off and is going to be incredibly successful. But he paused for a little bit and he started to kind of learn his trade before he went out and, and just launched the business. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we're in such a hurry to, to, to launch our company in an industry that they know nothing about. You know, maybe take some time and learn your, learn your trade a little bit. And, and then you better learn some patience. Getting a new venture off the ground uh, is, is probably going to take a lot longer than you realized. And it's probably going to take a lot more capital than you were expecting. And so um, if you're going to do it, you better strap in and, and hold on. And, and you better be ready for the, you know, the kind of the long game there because you're, you're not going to spin up a successful company in 90 days or six months or 12 months. It's going to take you some time. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like the advice that we normally get is just like jump off the cliff today. Yeah. But I really do love this advice. I think it's uh, I think it's really good advice. I think everybody feels so like this sense of urgency that if they don't do it today, that they're missing out. But I love that kind of your experience of hey, I got really good in this industry and it propelled me to the idea that 
you know, eventually is going to become this company. So yeah. we, we call those companies the overnight 10 year successes. That's right. right. <laughs> it was like, wow, they came out of nowhere. Like, yeah, we've been at this for 10 years. Yeah. But, you know, I, I remember, you know, watching a movie back, back in the day called Robots, a little, little cartoon with Robin Williams in it. And one of the lines is, you know, find a need and fill it, you know, find a need and fill it. That's, they were kind of this entrepreneurial family. And, and that's, that's, I think for budding entrepreneurs, like, Find a, a genuine need and fill it. Like figure out what okay, what what can we do to to make a product or build a service around that need and fill it. But here's here's the caveat. What I learned early on, I started a lot of different companies, and a lot of them were these small little companies, you know, that had you know a, a total addressable market of like you know a million dollars or, you know, not not very not very big uh, addressable markets. Here local. And, just yeah, here local. Yeah, just just little companies, and, and they were great little companies that, that would you know pay my bills. Lifestyle right? businesses. Lifestyle businesses, but it would never be a ten million or fifty million or hundred million dollar company. But here's the thing: you're going to work just as hard at those companies, you know, starting them up and trying to figure out things and everything, as you do working for a, a company or, or starting a company that has a larger adjustable market. So my advice is if you're going to start something and go through all that effort, look, look for a, a TAM, a big TAM, a, a bigger, you know, total adjustable market where you can really take something and grow it and, and grow it over the years. The other thing I'll say is um, um, it's super important to have a really good partner. And I'm not talking about like your business partner, like you're, there's another partner. And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Your spouse has to be very, very supportive because there's nothing like being the spouse of an entrepreneur. You're going to ask both both of our wives. You know, it, there is there are a lot of ups and downs. There, it's a roller coaster ride like you've you just can't even imagine, and you can't even describe it. I mean, you just have to have somebody who's at your side. So if you're already married, hopefully that spouse is is going to be very supportive in, in the ups and downs. If you're not married, make sure you find somebody that that will be supportive of that lifestyle because it, it is a lifestyle and it is very difficult. There are many, many occasions where I'd have to go home and tell my wife, I don't know how we're going to make payroll. And not only that, but I mean, I can't pay, I, I certainly can't pay us like this month. Hopefully I can figure out a way to pay the employees this month. And, and so there's those types of ups and downs where you don't know how you're going to get paid or you don't know what's going to come up next month or next year or whatever. But so it's just that, that roller coaster. And, and so to have a, an awesome, you know, partner, but also somebody that also is your, you know, your spouse supportive and, you know, uh, ups and, you know, supporting the ups and the downs. And, and we, we celebrate our successes at my house and, you know, with, with my wife, because we know they're going to come they're, They always come, but we also know around every, Every um, failure is going to be uh, a success. So we, we celebrate our failures as, as well because that's just, just part of being an entrepreneur. You're going to fail, but you know you keep at it long enough and, and you figure things out and you pivot enough, you're also going to succeed. And to, to have somebody like your spouse that's super supportive along on that journey with you is, is just awesome. Cool. You guys, this has been so enlightening. Thanks for taking some time with us this afternoon. We, um, we wish you the best and um, we'll, we'll watch... Uh, what's going to happen with Savos? Where, if someone's interested in looking you up, how do they find you? Where do they go? Super simple. Just go to our website, savos.com. Two V's in there. S A V V O S, right? Dot yep. com. Yep. Okay. Are you on LinkedIn or any, anywhere else either? Yeah, on we, yeah, we're on LinkedIn, and um, yeah, they can look for Jake or me on LinkedIn, and 
Great. Find us there, and we're pretty active there on that platform as well. But yeah, we're easy to we're easy to connect with. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been so fun, you guys. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. You guys have been great. Thanks so much. Good luck Appreciate with everything. Thank See you. ya. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.